0: We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Ardeth Weinacht and Dee Morse. In contrast with the disdain of yesteryear, Today, it is not uncommon for mainstream politicians, corporations, organizations, and even nation-states to go out of their way to associate themselves with LGBTQ plus communities. For many, this serves as both a means to market themselves to those communities, and as a way to establish a certain kind of progressive cachet to external observers, which may sound harmless or even positive, but often it is far from it. Far too often, the people and institutions that are being symbolically supportive of queer, trans, and two-spirit people are simultaneously doing few or none of the things that are well within their power that might substantively improve the lives of those very same people. Sometimes they even use such symbolic gestures of support as a way to distract from the substantive harm they're doing to queer and trans people and or to other marginalized people. Pinkwashing, it is sometimes called. So, for instance, there are places where police make a show of being supportive of LGBTQ pride events in a way that makes them look progressive despite their refusal to meaningfully address systemic violence against black and indigenous people, including, of course, black and indigenous people who are queer, trans, or two-spirit. Or you might see a politician who marches in a pride parade and says generally positive things about LGBTQ people, but who cuts welfare and who is therefore benefiting from that association with the community while doing harm to those queer and trans people who depend on social assistance. Ardeth Weinacht and Dee Morse are both members of the board of the Nova Scotia Rainbow Action Project, the only province-wide group fighting for queer and trans rights in Nova Scotia. In the last couple of years, the group has been working to more thoroughly ground its work in the experiences and struggles of the most marginalized queer, trans, and two-spirit people in the province that is, those who fall outside the white, middle-class, cisgender, and otherwise normative default that is the center of gay and lesbian politics in some other contexts. This has led to activity in a number of areas, but lately the most contentious and visible component has been organizing around the question of pinkwashing in the LGBTQ community. Earlier this year, a group called Queer Arabs of Halifax drafted a letter seeking community support to oppose the presence of a table at the annual Halifax Pride Community Fair at which the Israeli state has in recent years distributed material promoting a queer-positive image of itself in ways that pinkwash the Israeli state's ongoing, brutal, colonial occupation of Palestine and violence against Palestinians, both queer and straight. NSRAP decided to support queer Arabs of Halifax in the context of encouraging broader discussion of both racism in queer communities and pinkwashing, while Halifax Pride refused to act on their concerns. A long series of activities, events, and conversations followed, including an escalating pattern of abuse faced online by activists who vocally took anti-racist and anti-pinkwashing positions. This culminated in the recent Halifax Pride annual general meeting at which queer Arabs of Halifax brought forward a motion opposing the participation of the Israeli state in queer community events. And NSRAP brought forward a motion to develop guidelines for what politicians, corporations, and anyone else from outside of the community would have to do in terms of demonstrating actual material support for queer and trans people if they want to take a public role in Pride. The meeting was stacked, however, by a conservative religious organization that supports the state of Israel, and they packed the meeting with mostly non-queer, non-trans people who voted down both motions. That is, policy for LGBTQ pride in Halifax was being decided mostly by conservative straight people, and queer anti-racist and anti-pinkwashing activists, particularly black, indigenous, and people of color, faced intense hostility in what is supposedly their own community organization. Weinacht and Morse talk with me about NSRAP's work, about pinkwashing in general and the fight against it in Halifax in particular, and about how NSRAP hopes to move forward from here with its commitment to advancing political work centered on practical wins for the most marginal queer, trans, and two spirit people in Nova Scotia. We spoke by Skype to phone.
1: My name is Dee. I live and work outside of Halifax in a town called Truro. I work in the nonprofit humanitarian sector. As far as political organizing history, I was certainly involved in a lot of student activism and politics during my time in university. I was part of a couple different anti-capitalist groups and mostly organizing around elimination of tuition fees and other kind of social justice issues on campus. Since I left university, haven't been as involved in politics or organizing, and so I jumped at the opportunity to join NSRAP back at the beginning of last summer. Because we are a provincial advocacy organization for LGBTQ plus people, I felt that I might be of some use being outside of the city where most of our members are located in the city of Halifax. So, trying to bring a different perspective.
2: I'm a professor of sociology at Mount Allison University, which is actually located in Sackville, New Brunswick. I've been involved first in anti-globalization activism around maybe 2000, 2001. And I think I developed a bit of a uh, respect and admiration for the way social movements are both organized and collectively governed. And since then, I've been involved in prison abolitionist work, some local anti-racist work. And my own research is in the area of intersectional mental health and look at kind of more collective liberatory strategies for improving health and well-being in communities. I was asked to join NSRAP by a dear friend of mine who had attended a talk I gave on queerness and mental health. The organization at the time was kind of rebuilding. So it was going through a bit of a change in governance, change in leadership. So I was lucky two years ago to join the board and be a part of rebuilding the organization with a slightly different focus. The Nova Scotia Rainbow Action Project is the only provincial queer, trans, and two-spirit advocacy group in the province of Nova Scotia. So they have, under previous leadership, done some really incredible work in advocacy at the provincial level. So looking at some of the provincial government areas such as health, education, they've been able to kind of have a voice in our provincial government. Some of the other projects we've run such as we've had a youth and elders project. More recently, we've done some capacity building training and research around seniors' mental health and looking at service provision for what some of the elder, queer, trans, and two-spirited folks need across the province as well. NSWAP was also involved in speaking against the blood ban on receiving donations from gay men. NSRAP is an organization that has ebbed and flowed over the years. And when I joined the board, we had a very limited budget. We were in a bit of a crisis to pay our staff. There have been quite a few cuts to funding programs in the province of Nova Scotia for a community-based organization under the current liberal government, and I think NSRAP is one of those organizations that's now looking at alternative funding strategies, so we're more aligned with the needs of our members and our community and trying to draw our funding more from them rather than running projects on a grant-by-grant basis depending on the whims of each provincial government strategy that comes into place as governments come and go. I think as an organization, we've identified that we're interested in advocating for and pushing forward initiatives that materially improve queer, trans, two-spirited lives in the province of Nova Scotia. So our members are situated across the province, some of them lacking community because they're in borough or isolated areas. We have seniors and folks on fixed incomes living in homes where the staff are ill-equipped to provide care. We have trans youth in Nova Scotia who are facing high rates of unemployment high rates of depression, anxiety, suicide. And of course, we know from the research that things like suicide and self-harm in the trans community are implicitly connected to the ability to, one, receive the appropriate gender identification markers on your government ID and also access the surgeries and appropriate healthcare. So we're very much interested in supporting our more vulnerable members. I think What has happened in many LGBTQ2S communities across North America is, you know, this idea of homonormativity where queerness and the trans identity has been constructed in such a way as to reflect some of the most privileged members of our community. And I think NSWRAP, through the rebuilding process over the last two years, has been very much trying to put in place a structure so that we're not just listening to the loudest and most privileged members and trying to listen for the silences and run projects that address them. As an organization, we are resistant to collaborations where we are present in a token way. NSREP has had a history of being incredibly effective at the provincial advocacy level, and absolutely that is important. But you know, we're at a turning point now where our conservative MLAs here in the province of Nova Scotia have what seems like on the outside policies that are very friendly to LGBTQ two-spirited people. But that doesn't necessarily mean that any of their other policies are geared towards improving their lives or providing them with protections to address their vulnerabilities as a population. So we're trying to be a little bit more clear and a little bit more savvy around resisting tokenism. And I think that's where some of the paint stuff was a natural fit for us because we really felt like our community was in a place where there was a lot of talk and not a lot of action in terms of improvements that affected the vulnerable members of our community.
0: So, I know that NSRAP has been working on a number of things, like you've done some important work on gender markers, on government issued ID, and other things like that. But I'm particularly interested in hearing about how the anti pinkwashing campaign emerged. The pinkwashing
1: activism that we're doing is focusing specifically on a phenomenon that has happened at the Halifax Pride Community Fair for the last several years. There has been a table at Halifax Pride Community Fair that has been registered as the Size Doesn't Matter table. The Size Doesn't Matter campaign is a campaign that seeks to promote a certain image of the state of Israel, specifically targeted as inviting queer people to travel to Israel, specifically the city of Tel Aviv, and experience the nightlife, the queer openness and swaying public opinion about the state of Israel away from any sort of criticism or attention of the policies that Israel has towards the occupied Palestinian territories, the human rights abuses that are occurring there, and instead painting Israel as an open, westernized liberal democracy with respect for LGBT rights, etc., etc. So back earlier in the summer before Halifax Pride took place, a group called Queer Irbs of Halifax drafted a letter and sought community support, a number of organizations, including NSRAP and the Rainbow Refugee Association of Nova Scotia, signed on to this letter, basically addressed to Halifax Pride, asking them to look into the presence of this side-doesn't-matter material, which Queribs of Halifax very clearly laid out as being pinkwashing material. They had members that had been quite directly affected by Israeli aggression in the occupied territories, and they didn't feel safe and welcome at the community fair with these materials present. Halifax Pride, in a very diplomatic but ultimately dismissive way, declined to take any further action. So mm-hmm. the Halifax Pride Festival went on. We participated in a protest with Queers of Halifax. Outside the community fair, we were as loud as we could be and tried to draw attention to this issue. All that we heard from Halifax Pride was that, oh, we'll have a community meeting. So in August, a community meeting took place. A lot of community members came out, 40 or 50 people perhaps and all very engaged in this debate around pinkwashing. A lot of very emotional, very heartfelt pleas from the Black, Indigenous, and people of color community at this community meeting saying, you know, we don't feel enfranchised by pride. We don't feel that this is a space that includes us. We've continually dismissed our concerns about different aspects of the festival, including the pinkwashing stuff. Halifax Pride, again, in a very diplomatic manner said, we hear you, but there's a process that everybody has to follow in order to see this kind of change happen.
2: It's fair of mentioning that we did protest other content at Halifax Pride. Specifically, Crime Stoppers has a float that they've had in the parade every year, which is a party jail. So basically, they play Lady Gaga and they have a bunch of volunteers wearing like short shorts and glitter and turn a fake jail cell into a party, which is how they advertise Crime Stoppers. This year, some of the members of our organization, as we do every year, were very upset about this because we know that queer and trans lives are incarcerated at a disproportionate rate in Canada because of other aspects of marginalization that we face. We just don't think a jail cell is a party and it's quite disrespectful and was not appropriate in our parade. So I tweeted them my displeasure, as I do every year, and this year they listened and they pulled that content from Pride with no community meeting and no discussion required. They said, you know what, we agree with you, so we're going to allow Crime Stoppers to stay in the parade, but we're going to ask them to hold off from putting the party jail. And that was it. We didn't need to go to an annual general meeting. We didn't need to put a motion forward. They just made an executive decision that that was the appropriate way to move forward.
1: From NSRAP's perspective, the issue of pinkwashing goes above and beyond the specific materials and we were in a position of expressing solidarity and support to Queer Arabs of Halifax on this particular issue, and the artist is right in pointing out that they responded to us in a certain way as kind of an umbrella advocacy group, but they responded to the BIPOC, Black Indigenous People of Color community, and to Queer Arabs specifically, in a very different way, inviting them into this very oppositional annual general meeting structure where they had to bring forward a resolution to try and make this change. So Queer Arabs and NSRAP took it upon themselves to draft two resolutions, Queer resolution targeted pinkwashing and specifically the size doesn't matter materials. And NSWRAP's resolution focused more on working in collaboration with Halifax Pride and the wider community to develop guidelines about what exactly would be acceptable material at Pride and also developing a set of guidelines that would guide organizations, corporations, governments, politicians, saying what you have to do in order to be seen as supportive of our community and therefore allowed to do advertising or that kind of activity at our pride celebration. We worked very diligently and collaboratively to draft these two resolutions and all the while experiencing some quite aggressive, racist, anti-immigrant, harsh, violent backlash online in the form of comments, threats,
2: The racist trolling started right around Pride when there was media coverage of the protest and media coverage of the issue that Queer Arts of Halifax was raising about the presence of the Size Doesn't Matter campaign at Pride. In addition to the presence of organizations who are transphobic, who don't hire queer or trans two-spirited people, you know, there are a lot of other issues related to pinkwashing that were being raised. We started seeing comments in online articles about one of the things we voiced at NSRAP is the city of Halifax, the second most common language that is spoken is Arabic. We do have a large population of Syrian refugees that recently joined our community here. We wanted to take a deliberate stand against anti-Arab racism and Islamophobia here in Halifax in solidarity with queer Arabs of Halifax and any allies that might have been joining our community. We were very open about that in the media, and we started hearing soft xenophobic comments straight into some quite outlandishly racist and white supremacist comments. And the abuse actually escalated all the way up to the annual general meeting into a direct and public threats to physical violence. In addition to some of the members of our community who were not even involved with NS Rep, but were supportive of doing anti racist work at Halifax Pride, some of them were called unimaginable names, they were sworn at, homophobic statements. I was called a Nazi, an imbecile, a pig. I almost had to shut my Twitter account down. So there was quite an organized, aggressive and public backlash to the specific members of NSRAP who had spoken out in the media in support of queer Arabs of Halifax. And the public nature of that abuse really did intimidate a lot of people from coming forward. That had a real chilling effect as we moved forward towards the annual general meeting.
0: One of the things that you often hear from more privileged and more conservative members of queer communities when the issue of pinkwashing is discussed is, what does all of that have to do with us? How would you respond to that?
2: We have heard from some of our own members and folks in the broader queer community saying, yeah, this has nothing to do with us. This is an ancient dispute. And implicit in this statement, the us does not include queer, trans, two-spirited people of color who are racialized, who are from Arab countries. So when we say that this issue has nothing to do with us, when we say that racism is not our issue, when we say our, there's this notion of this homonormative, this idea of what it means to be gay, lesbian, bisexual, and that is generally a white upper middle class person. And we identify that in our community. We have issues of classism in our community. We have issues of transphobia, biphobia. We have a lot of racism in this community. We have one of the most well-established indigenous black communities in all of North America here. But our queer events, our cultural events, our queer film festivals, our queer theater festivals, they're predominantly attended by white members of our community. So we know this. And I think that it's really important to point out when we say that this isn't our issue. The question of our is one that we really need to dig into and sit with.
1: When NSRAP says, you know, we really want our community to decide what's acceptable, who can come, who is demonstrating good allyship, we really mean that we need to be attendant to the voices of those most marginalized, that history and those groups of people that Artis just mentioned. We really feel like pinkwashing in general is an attempt to, again, further silence and marginalize those groups and attend to voices that have much more institutional power. Frankly, at Halifax Pride as it currently stands, T.D. Bank has a larger say over what happens at Pride than the black, indigenous, people of color community of queer, trans, and two-spirit people here. So it really is very core to this issue of who gets to speak, who gets to listen to. And we at NSRAP feel like we really need to work on that question and make sure we're attended to the most vulnerable people.
0: Tell me about what happened at the Halifax Pride Annual General Meeting itself.
1: I arrived at the meeting, and pretty much from the moment I got to the upper floor of the Marriott Hotel, downtown Halifax, my stomach just sank. I knew that there was a massive amount of people there who weren't of the community. This was definitely the first time I'd seen most of the faces there. I've been involved in the community and and at events for a long time. And I think the previous Halifax Pride AGM had 30 people. This one Mm -hmm. had over 300 and from the moment I walked in the room, it was just extremely uncomfortable. The way the night proceeded, they got through a lot of the procedural stuff. and again, I should note that this format of this meeting was ostensibly under some form of Robert's Rules, oppositional format where you'd have people speaking for and against resolutions. Anybody familiar with that format knows what that looks like. And so queer errors of Halifax resolution was up to be voted on first. There were people speaking both for and against the resolution. The Queer Arabs of Halifax had a representation at the meeting who spoke very passionately and eloquently about their own experience as a refugee and in Palestine experiencing the violence brought to bear by the Israeli state on their particular situation and how that informs their feeling of inclusion in pride when there are pinkwashing materials meant to sway opinion about Israel and their conduct in the occupied territories. From there, you had people who belonged to the BIPOC community speaking in favor of the resolution, drawing attention to how Pride has historically not been very interested in hearing their voices and really considering their perspectives and thinking about what kind of space they want Pride to be. And then in response, essentially having straight, cis, majority white people refute their statements point by point in manners which I would personally consider to be racist, colonialist, violent, and very dismissive. So that resolution was voted down in a sea (laughs) of hands, belonging to people that I've never seen at a community event before. And I doubt I will ever again.
2: The queer, trans, and two-spirited community was outnumbered roughly two to one. Two separate journalists counted the members who attended from the Atlantic Jewish Council, which does not represent all of the Jewish families here in Nova Scotia. They represent largely the most conservative members of that community, and they had roughly 200 members in attendance. They held a catered event before our AGM specifically to mobilize their membership to attend the AGM and vote against our motion. So there were approximately 200 of their members who were largely over 50 and 60 years old, were clearly, by their attire, their shoes, their watches, quite wealthy. So there was a class issue as well. They were almost overwhelmingly white, and they had never been present. Halifax is a small town. We have less than half a million people on the peninsula. None of these individuals had ever been present, to my knowledge, at a Pride event or a queer event. And there was a very obvious sense of discomfort with trans, especially trans people of color within the community. So it was very clearly not a group of that were in attendance and there were roughly just over a hundred members of the LGBTQ2S community there so with the Atlantic Jewish Council members voting as a block we were effectively outnumbered on every single motion that came from queer and trans organizations within the community numerous people spoke and requested that those who were not allies and had never attended pride and don't intend to that they not vote this was not respected I think it's important to point out there's been a lot of backlash also around us as an organization pointing out whiteness to say, first of all, there's a flaw in the system when we have to have the majority vote on an issue about tackling racism and racist content and Islamophobic content. So we were completely outnumbered. Issues related to sensitive minority rights, vulnerable people were put to a majority vote, which never should have been allowed. The Halifax Pride Bylaw is allowed for anyone who attended and filled out a form to have a vote at the meeting. In 2007, the Halifax Pride bylaws stipulated that in order to vote at an annual general meeting, you had to be a member of the community and have attended at least two pride events in the past. And we're unsure why that changed in their bylaws, but it essentially allowed a lobby group, a conservative religious organization to come in and completely prevent our community from having any sort of self-determination or using that decision making process to make decisions about our own community. The only optimistic thing we can take away from that was when the Queer Arabs of Halifax motion was voted down and when our motion was voted down, if members of the Atlantic Jewish Council who were not allies, not LGBTQ2S people, if they had not been permitted to vote, we're confident with the numbers that these motions would have
0: passed. What's your sense of what needs to happen next?
2: What's interesting is on a broad scale, even for members of our community who are not activists, they're not involved in anti-racist organizing, there's been a broad sentiment that Halifax Pride is no longer relevant as the organization that should be running our biggest public festival every year in the city. And as an organization, I think NSRAP is listening to this. For us, we want to move forward with allies. Allyship is not staging a coup at a minority communities event and basically enacting organized white supremacy. That's not allyship. And so I think that while we really do want to move forward with allies and those who want to learn more in a sincere way about becoming allies to our members, I think we're really focused on putting our energies towards continuing to do what we wanted to do this year, which was to run projects and initiatives that speak to the members of our community who have been ignored and often oppressed in queer spaces for too long. And we do believe that although this meeting was... The violent process, it was depressing. It was upsetting. I think it's created a sense of resolve in our community to work towards these issues. And I think we're really committed to taking this moment and turning it into an opportunity to continue to engage anti-racist work in the community. Members of the Two-Spirit community here in Halvex spoke at the meeting about, you know, the Size Doesn't Matter campaign should not be welcomed at Pride because of Israel's role in occupation. But also a Canada 150 campaign would also not be welcomed at Pride because of settler colonialism in Canada and a lack of reconciliation and reparation. So those links were made at the meeting and organizationally and within our community here. Colonialism in Canada is just as important for us to tackle and resist and speak out about and to link to pinkwashing. So ensuring that politicians who are present at Pride, who might be members of Parliament and representing the government of Canada and the Dominion of Canada as a settler colonial state, they also need to be pushed back. And our resolution was also geared at pushing back in a way that pinkwashing happens through elected politics. So we're also interested in continuing that analysis in our own community.
0: You have been listening to my interview with Ardith Weinacht and Dee Morse of the Nova Scotia Rainbow Action Project. To learn more about their work, go to nsrap.ca. That's nsrap.ca. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to suggest topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook or Twitter.